What up, guys and girls? It is Bobby. And Sean. Back for another episode of the Cronus Cast. This week's episode is brought to you guys by Paragon Recovery. We actually had a question this past week on our Q&A about supplements and people asking us what supplements that we recommend. Um, you know, we have the top five, and then we have our additional extra supplements, and my additional extra supplements come from Paragon Recovery. Their night gains is uh, very good, helps me sleep very well at night, and then their flame off has been great for me, helping to reduce some of the inflammation and help my body recover uh, with the extra mileage I've been running. Uh, but it's been great. Highly recommend checking them out. Use code CRONOS for 15% off, and if you're military or first responder, hit them up directly uh, for an additional discount. Bobby, speaking of inflammation and fire, that hair right now, you got the top bun long enough I, for that? I have to do it. For those that can't see, my hair is in like a weird top knot type thing. But I just took a shower. So like after, you know, after you shower and you wash your hair, your hair is like really kind of fine and like falls everywhere, you know? If you use shampoo. Yeah. All right. I only but do I that like once a week. Oh. Yeah. Because I, I, I've got naturally fine hair as it is. Uh, so yeah. I try to use some of the grease so I can, I can, you know, give it a nice quaff. Mm. Yeah, I started uh, actually reducing the amount of shampoo I do, but still, it's just like after like two days of not washing my hair, my hair is super greasy, and then I just feel gross. But yeah, yeah. this is just to keep my hair out of my eyes, because like right now I can't like brush it over out of my eyes, and now it's just I I gotta keep it in my eyes. It drives me nuts. Well, dude, this week was a huge week for you for mileage. Uh, break down like some of your running that you knocked out, because I know today you just ran an eight miler. So this week I did 45 miles this week, pretty good week. Um, but like I'm building up each week now. So last week was like 40, this week's 45. I think next week it goes up to like 48 or something like that. I do like a three weeks of building and then one week of like a cutback week. That's like a recovery week kind of. Cutback. Huh? Cutback. Yeah, cutback week. I thought uh, we could remix that in somewhere. Yeah, it's been like getting warmer too. So uh, I made a mistake yesterday on my 12-miler, and I didn't bring any water, uh, which was a very rookie mistake. Because I even thought to myself, I was like, it's a little bit warmer than usual. I should probably bring water. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't need water. I did 19 miles the week before, and I didn't need water. So why would I need water for 12 miles? That was a mistake. Dummy. I like had to run into a Rite Aid pharmacy. And, like, uh, in the middle of my run, so like, I, I got to get water. So I ran into this Rite Aid. I didn't bring my phone. didn't have any money on me. So I literally just had nothing. So I just ran into this, in this Rite Aid. didn't have a mask on. So I ran in, like, covered my mouth, like, my shirt. And the guy was, like, bitching at me. He was like, wear your mask. Where's your mask? I was like, I'm sorry. I just need to get some water. Like, I'm dying. I need some water. <laughs> like, ran to the bag, grabbed the water fountain, drank some water, and just ran out. And the guy's like, come bring your bags. Wear your mask. Now it's time to come in here. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I just fucking ran. Jesus, and then dude. I stopped like a couple miles, like four miles later, at, like a Dunkin' Donuts. Luckily, I saw some late, like the lady that was working there was like handing off some drinks to someone that, that pulled to the drive thru. So I was like, hey, can I have a cup of water? And she like, was like, all right, come around to the drive thru. So I ran through the drive thru and they gave me a cup of water, which was really nice. But I was like, damn that it. was a mistake. Bobby, damn it, man. I, I had the same thing uh, happen when I was training up for Ranger School. Um, for those of you that don't know, I grew up in Northern Virginia. So Fort Belvoir was incredibly close. And when my sister and I would go work out there because she was a Division one athlete, we'd hit up their gyms. They've got some fantastic gyms. But on the way back, I'd be like, we get outside the gate, be like, all right, Heather, just drop me off on the side of the road here. I'm going to run home. And I think I'd planned to run, 
I think it was like nine to 13 miles that day. Mm-hmm. And it was hot. It was the middle of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the absolute wrong time to do this after a workout. And I'm running down Beulah um, to try to get to the parkway to, to head home. And luckily, I brought like $5 of cash on me just like for emergencies. And from that day forth, I never ran without just like a little bit of cash on me just in the event one, like you need water, you have some emergency, you got to get in a cab just to get you somewhere, you want to borrow someone's phone, like cash speaks. So I, yeah, dude, that's, if you're running any longer than like seven, eight miles, like always bring an ID and some cash. Better yet, get the road yeah. ID. I, I I don't have the road ID, so I'm saying that like, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Um, the road ID is a great thing because you can wear it around your ankle, your wrist. It gives all your contact information in the event someone finds you dead on the side of the road. Yeah, usually I run with my phone. <laughs> usually I run with my phone with me. Um, but I don't know why yesterday I was just like, you know what? Go on straight minimal today. See what happens. <clears throat> But like in my phone case, like I always carry there's like a twenty dollar bill. I always carry a twenty dollar bill in my phone case just in case. So I always have cash in my phone. And then uh yeah, I don't know why yesterday I, I was just very kind of uh a little too cocky and a little too yeah. confident in my running ability. And then it really that was a rough that was a really tough run yesterday. So you heard like that really there first. Tough. If you live in the Philly area, you see a jack dude with tattoos and a top bun and some great facial hair you know he's carrying at least $20 on him. So That's stop rough. him, beat the shit out of him, and, you know, maybe he'll learn his lesson. Bring more. Jack my phone, yeah. Jack, yeah, don't jack uh, his phone, though. I, I need his, <laughs> I need him to be attached to his phone so we can, you know, do our daily business, you know, uh, briefs. But I take his money. That's I'll, I'll recommend that. I mean, like, honestly, like, because around here, it's, like, suburban. So it's, like, there's plenty of, like, it's not like I'm running in, like, the trails of the the wilderness you know so it's like if i really needed something i'm sure i could find, like walk up to any house knock on the door be like i'm so sorry but i'm running like 13 miles and i need some food <laughs> or i need some water or something you yeah, know you're not afraid of like the, the jersey people. devil getting you up in the pine barrens oh yeah i actually i can actually i actually thought about that like at a, on my longer runs like running to the pine barrens because i'm about like five six miles from the pine barrens so I was like, if I really want like a long run, I probably run out to the Pine Barrens, run through the Pine Barrens, and then come back. But I was like, that's kind of sketchy too, running through the Pine Barrens. Pine, yeah. For those of you that don't know, Pine Barrens is like the sticks of New Jersey. There's like a lot of history that goes back to colonial America, where people kind of moved into the the Pine Barrens. They were called Pineys. You don't ever see their homes because if you're whatever road you're on, whether you're going to the shore or outside the city, it's essentially just like you see one shoot that goes down like some gladed road and then you don't see where it turns and then it's just gone and it just goes on for miles. So it's like really sketchy. I'm sure there's some great people that live back there. Probably no one that listens to this podcast. So fuck them. And like they probably still use muskets to go hunting and are afraid of legitimately the Jersey Devil. That's where the hockey team uh, gets its name from, the Jersey Devils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's actually an episode of The Sopranos where Christopher and Polly take a body down to the Pine Barrens and try to bury, a, like, get a bo- rid of a body in the Pine Barrens. Hilarious episode. It's probably one of the best episodes in The Sopranos. Uh, without is that where, spoiling it, don't they like run into somebody and they end up killing that dude too because like their trunk gets popped open? So it's it starts off with them like going to pick up a collection from this Russian dude, 
And then they like they get in an argument and they think they kill him and then they pack his body up to, to dispose of the body in the Pine Barrens. Oh, spoilers for anyone that cares. But oh yeah, then he runs away. Pine. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great episode. <laughs> and then they shoot him in the head and he still gets up and keeps running. Yeah. It turns out this Russian dude was like a, was like was like Spetsnaz in the in Russia before and like fought in Ukraine and then came to America. <laughs> so it's like yeah. the special operator. And he's like, You think I you think this is cold? I live for the cold. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's a great episode. It's yeah, so funny. Great episode, man. Uh, but that's a yeah. But that was a that was a uh, uh, slide that direction. <laughs> Dude, I uh, I went running in Central Park. I, I I'm only two blocks away, and it's fantastic. It's 10k mm-hmm. all the way around on the like road trail thing that they've got. Um, but it gets like exceedingly more crowded throughout the day with tourists or people just getting out because they're you know going stir crazy. It's really weird because you'll see people running with, like, face masks on mm-hmm. and biking with face masks. And it's like, I could never do that. Like, I, if I'm going all out on a, some sort of a PT event, like, I don't want, I don't want to yeah. be muffled and not be able to breathe. But these people, and then someone this morning, I was walking the dogs, and uh, this person who was, I think, more at risk of dying from COVID or diabetes or some heart-related uh, you know, disability uh, made some snarky comment about how like some 28 year old died from COVID, you know, in reference to me and Alyssa not having face masks on in the, you know, early waking mornings, walking dogs completely separate from everyone else. It's just like, sometimes I love New York and then other times, you know, I just want to throw someone into a lake to see if they float. Yeah, this is like, uh, I, I've noticed the same thing too around Jersey. Actually, Jersey opened up their state parks yesterday. So like this morning, I usually my my route I run through like a local state park uh, on some of the trails just to get some change of scenery a little bit. But there are fucking everybody like everybody and their mothers is on the trails this morning, and it's like nobody's doing like the 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 right thing of like social distancing. But like I'm like I, I can't Jersey's gonna shut back down like next week guaranteed. Yeah, I it's just bad. It, it, if, the, if you open up the economy, regardless, you're going to have a spike in cases. I think we're up to like 65,000 deaths right now and over a million diagnosed cases. They're trying to get the testing kits out. Congress isn't even coming back because uh, both parties like, hey, the, the requirements and what our congressional physician said uh, just does <coughs> not give us enough uh, faith that, you know, we'll have adequate testing uh, to resume sessions. So, I don't know. So I read somewhere that it's going to take potentially two years to find a cure and that this is going to be around significantly longer than just, you know, the end of the summer months, at which point it's like, well, what is the new normal? At, at some point, people are going to really, truly have enough. I mean, you saw it up in Michigan, mm-hmm. those armed guys uh, storming the, I think it was the Michigan state, state capital. Yeah. One, can we talk about that? I'm sure there are some prior military folk out there that are part of this, and I'll call them a rabble, uh, because they look stupid as fuck. Like, they're wearing pistol magazines where their rifle magazine should go. Um, If anyone's ever done any kind of, uh, you know, magazine change, you typically have your magazines ordered in some way where it's familiar for you. Like, I'm a left-handed shooter, and I always had mine upside down, and then facing the left so I could just literally take it and turn my wrists and I was up in it. And these guys have their magazines face different ways. Um, same with, you know, some of them are wearing pistols 
on the same side as their shooting hand, but yet if they drop their weapon, they're not going to be able to draw their pistol because the weapon will sling, it, the, the sling is way too long. Mm-hmm. It will go completely across their body. So it's like, listen, if we're going to play these games and you guys want to like, you know, show off the Second Amendment and wear off his body armor, I've seen airsoft people that have more common sense and they're carrying fake bullets. Like, let's do a little bit of homework before we put on this, like, paramilitary three percenters bullshit. Because it's, like, truly embarrassing. Especially then if, like, you're going to, like, show any kind of patch that you once served because it, you're just associating with idiots. Where you're half correctly. Oh, yeah. Half, half of super fat. And, like, screaming. And that's the other thing. Like, we've talked so many times about, you know, some of the... Uh, problems with uh, America and the disparate impact on minority communities. Could you seriously imagine if you weren't a white male storming the Capitol in military regalia and shouting at lawmakers and getting in their faces? Like, I don't think that would be tolerated 50 years ago, wouldn't be tolerated 20 years ago. And I don't think it would certainly have been tolerated last week. I think, again, taking a step back, there's a very clear like white male privilege when it comes to like arming yourself and walking into to someone's uh, legislative capital like that that just blows my mind that that's something that we completely overlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like difficult. Yeah, like like I get the whole white male privilege too, and I get the right like the the want or the desire to voice your opinions in the protest, but I don't know. It's not exactly. Uh, the right uh, or the correct method of response or protest put that way no and you're gonna walk in there and be like this big bad tough looking person with like an awful mohawk wearing like you know a bandana up over your face like these are the kind of people that are arguing for the economy to reopen because covid19 doesn't directly impact them yet they're taking precautions by covering their face to prevent getting covid19 either keep your face open uh, or if you're so embarrassed that you have to cover your face, like you shouldn't probably be there in the first place. Like if you mm-hmm. can't truly go to a protest, like this is why I don't like Antifa people. Like Antifa covers themselves from head to toe in like all black, covers their faces, and they go out there and they're like trying to be like this anti-fascist movement. It's like, well, nothing says coward more than covering your face mm-hmm. like no one's going to respect that message at all that you're putting out because i can't physically see you like i i'm just i'm sorry i'm just not going to respect anything you had to say because you're cowering behind some image that you want me to have of you it's like no that, that's not the way it goes yeah i kind of i also really like the uh the idea of well not like but i find comical the idea of the three percenters oh my god that vice and, like, documentary yeah it's just like in what world or country would this ragtag bunch of like not even like like not even able to like you know like there's no way that if like a militia like a ragtag militia armed with like some m4s and ak-47s are going to go against like any state or you know the national guard of the army like no. you're, you're, you're fooling yourself there's no well, way the people are ever going to be able to overthrow the government at this point and they're just not organized the the vice documentary which is several years old now so again that's my reference for what bobby and i are talking about but even in that they talk how there is an internal dynamic to the three percenters that is at odds between like each group in each state 
So they mm-hmm. can't even get on the same playing field together with like a common goal. There's a kind of tangent. There's a really good show on FX right now called Mrs. America with like Kate Blanchett, um, Rose Byrne, where it talks about the women's uh, liberation movement in the 70s. And one of the issues that they talk about there um, was, okay, uh, before homosexuality was protected um, through, you know, using like the 14th Amendment and some of the other Supreme Court cases from the 90s and early 2000s, like the women's liberation movement was really just strictly focused on women's rights. But then you had a growing population saying, well, hey, what about women of color? What about gay women? Like, are we going to bring this all into the conversation? It's what we talked about, I think, last week or two weeks ago mm-hmm. with the Black Lives Matter movement. It's like instead of just being focused on a single goal, you have a lot of these you know, factions that want to break off and want to bring light that the main group is getting to smaller issues, all, although they're very important it's like, well, that's why the group just won't ever in the long run truly have success or longevity. And it's the same thing with the three percenters. Like whoever that idiot was that was running the PT for them and running their physical training and, you know, their vehicle interdiction, he apparently is disliked by the other three percenters. And so it's like it's this really petty, almost fraternity sorority like experience that you get depending on what state you join the three percent militia. Like it just blows my mind that this is like a thing that people truly invest their time and money in. I mean, like, lots of money for these weapons, and this is what you do on your weekends. Go join the National Guard if you truly have that strong of a feeling of service and protection, or better yet, go do something, get a law degree, and focus on constitutional law so your rights are protected in the future. Yeah, that was, uh, I actually met, I think there were three percenters. Uh, one of my ex-girlfriend's uh, mom was, like, dating this guy, and then his kids, I think, were in three like three percenters. They showed me this video of them like one weekend. They do like this like yearly like challenge or some shit, where they literally the challenge included like chugging like a two liter of Mountain Dew, and then shooting something, and then like running around in the woods, and then like so fucking redneck. Yeah, this is in Virginia too, by the way. Of course, <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> Southern like, Virginia, not no, not Nova. No, not uh, no. Nah, I guess it was southern, yeah, because Richmond's south, yeah. Yeah. But it was like uh, they showed me this video. It was insane. I was like, and they were like, kind of pumped too. They were like, "This is so cool!" Like we're like in the military. They had like an op. It was like they chug like a two liter of, like Coca of like Mountain Dew and they like, run like an obstacle course and like they shoot pistols and like shoot M4s at like twenty five meter targets. You know. It's every but yeah. It's everyone's like, a CQB expert. Like. That's great. Uh, you know, I guess urban warfare is would be the big thing in the United States, given, you know, the population densities. But at some point, you're going to have to go to a KD range. And it's not sexy training at a KD range because there's so much for, you know, your trigger squeeze, your breathing, mm-hmm. uh, gauging the wind, you know, and, and you've got to deal with all these variables. You can't just make a sexy video of that for your TikTok. They're weird, weird guys. Really weird. I mean, they're nice, but they're just like weird. You can tell that like, they were like you know kind of sheltered growing up and they probably just like identified with this group that gave them like like a, a voice or like some kind of you know, like um you know uh, like welcome them into the group do you think like it's, a, do you think it's like an incel community i think it's not i wouldn't yeah i think so where it's like you are have people that are ha- they feel downtrodden and then they join this group that they think gives them a voice because yeah, oh. they're surrounded by 
Speaking of voices and freedoms, like we talked about last week where I think we can have some curtailing of freedoms and liberties and like one of them on, you know, like freedom of speech for me if you're going to espouse any like Nazi propaganda. Here's another one, the Confederate flag. Mm. Nothing pissed me off more, including like overweight soldiers who decided to eat ice cream during PT hours than seeing a vehicle on post with a Confederate flag. I can think of nothing more disrespectful to the uniform that you're wearing and to the individuals that are serving to your left and right that aren't white and definitely aren't from the South than having any kind of like stars and bars anywhere on post. So then a corollary to that comment. So how do you feel about posts or buildings or statues, you know, uh, commemorating like confederate generals because they have like every single one of them down really well like any confederate general take it down that all of these like memorials that were constructed the majority were constructed during the jim crow era because as civil liberties for african-americans started to increase those in the south wanted to be able to memorialize the great white culture that they used to have and then it became like a heritage thing with the sons and daughters of the confederacy Mm -hmm. and this whole rebellious attitude it's like no one you guys just got pissed because you got your asses handed to you as soon as the north got its shit together and decided to come down and march to the sea with sherman like you guys had a lot of really great military leaders because we had a, a very federal society back then where people had a, a much higher allegiance to their state than the nation because it was so mm-hmm. it was so young. And there's there's bound to be um, these incidents uh, in almost every single you know quasi democracy uh, around the world. But for the United States to have any kind of Confederate uh, memorabilia up, it, it like it's just disgusting. We are paying tribute to a historical event in our country and people can say that it wasn't about slavery all they want like a hundred percent this comes down to state rights the state right to have slaves there it is like that you, you can put as many layers over it as you want so as diverse as this country is and as many problems and obstacles that this country has placed in the way of minority communities to get to where we even are today that anyway reflect that old nostalgia it is just it's disheartening that is not what america is about like that stuff should be stricken from the record books we talk about the confederacy we talk about the idiots that you know oppose civil rights and then we move on and you're like don't ever do that again just like i'm sure what they do with you know the nazis in germany like when i grew up there it was you talked about it like yeah, it was really bad. These were awful people. Hitler's a bad guy. But nobody around Germany, other than like the crazy 88s, are like, oh, you know what we need here right now? So many Germans did this. Why don't, yeah, you know what? This school should be called the Adolf Hitler Hochschule. I, I went to Robert E. Lee High School. I went to the high school named after the like lead mm-hmm. Confederate general. Can you imagine going to that school? Or, uh, you know, Conversely, can you imagine being a Jewish person going to Adolf Hitler High School in Germany? Like, if that sets off bells in your head, so should Robert E. Lee High School. Like, the fact that that name hasn't changed yet is still, it blows my mind. Mm, Just by devil's advocate. So what about the whole argument that the Civil War was based on states' rights? 
and the right for states to the to you know yeah, I mean, so even after the Civil War was complete, we had a ratification period where we tried to introduce um, amendments and bills which would guarantee uh, the you know minority communities in this country some representation, specifically African Americans and those that were just freed. And the problem with those amendments were it was specifically um, interpreted to only relate to states stripping individual rights. So the reason why we didn't have a great jump after the Civil War was because if you were a private business, you would just say, hey, the 14th Amendment doesn't apply to me. Like this ratification period that we went through doesn't apply to me because I can still be discriminatory and prejudiced. And for that reason, like we've had a really slow turnaround up until like, you know, the 1960s and 1950s with Brown v. Board Mm -hmm. where it was like, okay, now we're going to have integration. But prior to that, this idea of states' rights, like we have a supremacy clause in the Constitution that places federal above the state and so while there are specific state rights and those are like the police powers you can't just be this little bitchy state complaining that you know while you are a member of like a federal society that you now some in some way have the authority over the state it's the same reason why like when we had a national bank the state couldn't sue the bank or excuse me the the state could not uh, tax the the bank because therefore you'd be taxing you know the federal government. It's just that kind of that kind of dynamic. Like we have to have some uh, authority in the United States, but I think it's like really bad that. And I think one of the Marine Corps, uh, maybe the mm-hmm. Commandant, just like mm-hmm. outlawed the stars and bars on on posts, which is like or bases, as I say in the Navy and the Marines. Like it's about bloody time. Yeah, I. I'd... Like, I get, I understand everything, and I just try to play devil's advocate, but it's like, there's so much history, like Bragg, Polk, Jackson, like every base down south is named after the Confederate general. And that was only because when the government went and through the process of eminent domain, where we take private land and, and transition it for public use and compensate, you know, the state or whoever owned uh, mm-hmm. that property, part of the reason that we were able to do that so easily and say, hey, we're going to put all these Yankee bases down here in the South was because we're going to name them after your great Confederate Mm -hmm. leaders. Like Mm -hmm. it was a way to appease the legislatures in each state um, and the national representatives to say, okay, yeah, like bring it down to Louisiana. Like we'd love to have you outside of Leesville. Wait, is that where, is Leesville? No. Leesville is Alabama, isn't it? What's outside? Leesville is Virginia. What's outside of Polk? What's the? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, or outside of Columbus, you know, Benning. Like, I, I just, I think the post should be renamed. I don't care what kind of history. Like history, in a, in a year from now, no one's gonna look back and go, man, I, I liked when it was called Fort Benning. Like the only people that are pissed off are the ones that have to have like you know the maneuver center at Fort Benning changed underneath their polo that they have to wear to like hail and farewells. Nobody's mm-hmm. gonna care. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't want to necessarily argue against you because I don't. I agree with you, and I don't really want to play devil's advocate for this one because I think I'd lose either way. <laughs> I have no good arguments against it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think the the argument would be a you know freedom of expression, the same way that you know you can burn the flag, uh, whether in effigy or in protest. You're you're allowed that right. You can wear um, a shirt, you know, and we talk about obscenity laws that says you know like fuck the draft. You can do whatever you mm-hmm. want. 
this is just one of those instances where you're like, okay, if we're, do we have a, a compelling interest that's been narrowly tailored to take someone's right away from displaying the stars and bars? And it's just going to be one of those congressional debates. I'm sure uh, it's going to see its way to some circuit court and then the Supreme Court eventually if we're going to restrict uh, on post mm -hmm. activities for representation like that. Yeah, I find it kind of interesting. Um, I just listened this week to one of Jacko's pod, Jacko Wilnick's podcast with uh, Dan Crenshaw. Do you know Do you know a lot about Dan Dan Crenshaw? Dan Crenshaw. Uh -uh. The, the is he a medal uh, honor? Texas Texas uh, senator? No, it's congressman. No, yeah, the Navy got SEAL. Blown up. Yeah, yeah Pete, Pete Davidson made fun of him. Yeah, he went on, on SNL. So I actually listened to his podcast with Jacko, and he actually he wrote a book that just came out. I haven't read the book yet. But it's pretty interesting. It talks about like outrage culture, and that American now American culture nowadays is all about uh, outrage culture and playing the victim, and then everyone and like the victim is like is like upheld in American culture nowadays. Yeah, I can like, see that. He cites the example of like Jesse Smollett, like in what in what in what country or what world would you imagine that someone who makes up makes up this story about a hate crime and then he gets celebrated for you know for the story. Or like he was like celebrated for for like saying the hate crime, and then it comes out that he, he made it all up, and he's still like you know, so it's just like it's very interesting that hit, listening to his perspectives on it, and it's just funny because thinking about what you're saying about renaming all the Confederate bases and uh, statues and stuff, it's funny because like outrage isn't just limited to the left wing, because you because everyone likes to think that all oh, the liberals or the snowflakes are so like emotional. But the conservatives are just as out as easily outraged as the liberals. Like as soon as you someone like for example with like the Confederate stuff, I remember like the Army Times had like ran the stories last year. The comment section just one after another after another, which is outraged conservatives talking about this is our history, this is our culture. To to ignore our culture, ignore our history is is illegal or you know you know whatever. But it's just like it's just funny because it just everybody in America just loves getting pissed off at nothing like what does it matter that they changed the name like who cares who cares it doesn't like, affect you no it and it's the same thing i i completely see where dan crenshaw would come away from <laughs> you know his service in the navy you know come back to a country where he you know probably felt that his service was not truly appreciated he, he probably thought a lot of the thank you for your services were nothing but platitudes and we're empty and if like you wanted to really affect change you would have voted differently to get us out of these conflicts you would have served yourself uh, we've talked about it before like you know less than one percent of the population now serves and even fewer now have connections to military members unlike mm -hmm. you know world war one and two in korea so i can totally see where if you left after serving at such a high operational tempo and came back and saw what people were really complaining about it's the same thing that we talked about uh, with some of my peers at my school complaining about having mm -hmm. to do at-home learning. Like, guys, we are really privileged if I'm going to be taking a final tomorrow, I'm going to be wearing boxers, and yeah. I'm going to listen to music, and uh, I'll probably, you know what, maybe I'll have some yogurt during the final too, and then casually walk to the bathroom, you know, during that time. Like, there's nothing more privileged than getting a law degree from your bedroom right now. Yeah, but and it's just people like... people complain. It's like... Everybody loves to complain. It's awful. It's, I, I it's don't, pathetic. Yeah, I don't really get it either. Maybe because, like, we were just, you know, in the military. But, like, even people in the military love the fucking bitch, too. So it's, like, not even just being in the military, like, makes us less likely to complain. Like, you're just more likely to... I bitch about everything, too, but it's not like... Dude, I, I can't... Don't know. 
when I was uh, at Triple C, we had an opportunity to be like company commanders for an Ebola commission, and mm-hmm. uh, I volunteered twice for it because it was like this is a free rep to be a company commander. You get to mm-hmm. plan everything, and you meet you know these brand new second lieutenants that you know are going to go and do some good things. Some of them, and the ones you know that aren't are like, I'm I'm walking through McKenna Mount site, and we've got a platoon that's setting up its own internal support by fire. And I'm with the platoon leader, and I'm like, hey, like, I think your support by fire is, like, a little south of where it needs to be. Like, I need you to get up higher to near this phase line. And he was like, great, goes and talks to the squad leader. The squad leader uh, is a female, and, like, she's, like, all motivated as hell. She gets up, she's grabbing guys and just, like, throwing them, like, get the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And this one guy's like, why do we have to move? I was like... I'm sorry. Did like two people not tell you to get up? Like you're about to have a really nasty time. If you even make it through rap week, which I'm sure this person did not. If when someone's telling you in like a, a play event, like a, you know, a fake, you know, uh breach that you have to get up and move. If like, this is real world, your ass would be up and moving. Cause you're not even behind cover right now or concealment. Mm-hmm. Like, Mm-hmm. move dude and this like complaining and complaining and complaining like I wanted to walk over I had a buddy step on some dude's helmet during a live fire because the idiot was about to shoot somebody with a saw and he just put the foot on the back of this kid's helmet and put it straight down I was like what the fuck are you doing mm-hmm. like why aren't you looking at your engagement area and aware of the movement of the units to your left and right like this is briefed at nauseum by your platoon leader platoon sergeant squad leaders team leaders like show a little bit of common sense and put a little bit of effort in. I think it all comes down to just effort and energy. People that don't want to put effort or energy into understanding the opposite sides uh, are, are the same people that would be, you know, those lazy uh, weapon squad members that don't want to get up and go to the next support by fire. Just lazy people. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of split because uh, Jocko and Dan actually talk about that aspect that today's youth are more likely to ask why. I think it's because a lot of today's youth is brought up to kind of think that they're more individual and then less part of the whole. But either way, like, I think fo- as a follower, I think followers still deserve to know why. But at a certain point, like, you have to just know when to, like, ask why. And, and then at a certain point, just you have to know when you have to do it, you know? Like, yeah. there's, t- there's times for each, yeah. No, 100%. I can pre- like, it, the, there's a funny SNL sketch with... Oh, I can't. Keenan Thompson, where uh, it was him and Miley Cyrus, you know, being like, you know, how to be a star in the Disney Channel. And one of the sketches was like, you're smarter than every single parent in the room. It's like, I remember that that like struck a chord because I remember growing up, all the TV shows as a kid, all these cartoons essentially just downplayed the role of the parent and just made mm-hmm. it so that every kid growing up thought their parents were idiots. And they didn't have to listen to him because, you know, Jimmy Neutron disrespected his parents. Dexter didn't respect his parents. Um, You know, uh, Two Stupid Dogs, I don't think they had, or Angry Beavers didn't have parents. So it was like constantly this whole idea that you as the kid uh, can do uh, whatever you'd like, essentially. Interesting. I never thought about that. I never reflected that. Huh. Because I've always had like this thing with authority where like I don't like authority. Like, when my first reaction when people, like, trying to flex on me is to, like, push back and yeah. not listen to people. Like, I, that's just something that I've always been since, like, I don't know where it came from growing up. Like, I guess maybe because my parents are kind of strict growing up, so I've always had, like, this thing against authority. 
um but yeah i can definitely see yeah interesting yeah well, I, into it at all. I know you brought up Jocko, uh, and you had a really cool discussion with some of your homies um, about selling out. So, mm-hmm. do you want to get into that and and talk about yeah. it? All? We can play devil's advocate, and you know, pluses yeah. and minuses of service. Yeah. So, like, uh, I'm in a group chat with some of my some of my guys still, and then uh, we actually this week we're talking about selling out, and then we were trying to figure out what what how would you define someone as selling out. Because, like, in my mind, you know, the classic thing to sell out is, like, you know, you're, like, in my mind, I always picture, like, music stars, like, you know, like, the like throwing back to high school, like, the indie or emo guys that, like, make great music, and then they make it big, and then sell out and go mainstream music, and then become, like, you know, the standard, like, uh, you know, mass-produced pop or whatever. And then that's a classic sellout. And then I think about that in the military, too, is just, like, selling out as in you are leveraging your military experience to further yourself financially or um, socially, I guess. And then that actually brought up a lot of concerns with my, with me too, because I think, you know, coming from Ranger Regiment, we were always told to be quiet professionals, to, you know, never talk about the mission, you know, never, you know, you're just, you know, a part of the team. You don't need to be an individual and you, you're all about, you know, serving the team. So like when we started Cronus Fit back in 17, you know, I had some concerns too about where we what was I selling out because I was using our specifically using our Ranger um experience as a way to as a way of um like separating ourselves from our competitors in the market so to speak. And then I had to do some you know some mental gymnastics to try and try and um uh justify to myself that I wasn't actually selling out because um you know that wasn't what I was what we were, you know, raised to do in in, in regiment to to use our position to, you know, achieve or to further our positions using our history or our positions. So then we, you know, went back and forth on my group chat with, like, with the guys. And then, you know, I was kind of curious to see, like, where your perspective is on where, what, what would you define as, like, a sellout? Because, you know, um, like, I have nothing against guys who use their experience as a way of, like, providing for their families you know like the classic example of guys getting out is like the guys get out and then start like a tactical training site or like start like making gear or doing stuff like that mm-hmm. using their experience which i guess you can almost define as selling out because they're distinct they're pretty much taking their ranger or whatever special operations ttps and teaching non-special operators the same tactics and ttps too right so i so we so I, we went back and forth a lot, and then I think the definition that we arrived to was you draw the line at uh, financial or at gains, like what you're gaining from y- using your experience. So like with us at Cronus Fit, um, since neither of us, which I actually guess nobody really knows this fact, but Sean and I don't get anything from Cronus Fit. We don't receive any money from it. We don't get anything from running this site besides uh i guess maybe like social or cloud or just getting our names out there which i guess you can kind of consider that to be maybe a little bit of selling out because we're using our positions to further maybe our reputation or whatever my instagram's Uh, private so don't friend me yeah my instagram's private too uh but yeah but it's just like we had that discussion and it was just very interesting because uh my one buddy said that i was a sellout for doing chronos fit and I was like, you know what? I can see where you're coming from. And I, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, I probably would have agreed with you. But then 
we definitely changed the business model to um, to adjust so that we wouldn't necessarily be sellouts because at this point we're just literally doing this, you know, from the bottom, like just out of the bottom of our hearts for goodness because, you know, we don't receive any financial, you know, benefit from it. We don't get money from it. No. All the money that we receive goes back into you guys. Yeah. So, I, I, I thought about that and I was concerned about it when – you know, especially as officers and ranger regiment, we spend like a fraction of the time in that organization that mm-hmm. other rangers do that grow up there. And so by the time you get to be a platoon leader there, um, whether you're there like, you know, a day or two and a half or three years before you leave, you know, your time and your experiences are really just molded around essentially one or two positions that you're privileged enough to have in support of the, the larger organization. But the other rangers, they will grow up and really almost have more of a claim to the idea of being rangers than, you know, majority of the officers, unless they, they go back as platoon leaders, come to commanders, you know, field grades, mm-hmm. battalion, et cetera. Um, so that was always a concern for me. It's like, I don't want this to just necessarily be like, this is a ranger regiment company. When we first started, we didn't have any programs that cost any money. Uh, the only ones we had were like, you know, our daily workouts that you and I were putting out, the SFAS, Ranger, Iabolic, um, and then squad PT programs, which are all still completely free. Um, and then it was as soon as like about uh, almost the end of year one, because uh, it, it cost almost, well, I say like 600 to $1,000, like just getting all the sites set up, trying to put mm-hmm. in trademark um, with the U.S. Patent Office, um, like getting some basic like sticker orders, like so it gets sent it to like just friends and family, uh, and then once we started generating some programs and seeing that there was money that was coming in, we're like, okay, well this can go towards operating costs, and then we're now seeing like we've got a nice little pool um, put together. It's like all right, and that that's where we came up with the idea for the scholarship fund, mm-hmm. and that's where we do like this monthly charity drive only because we're getting enough orders to to be able to drive that kind of uh, activity. But that's always been a concern is I don't want this to be something that like we take away from the resources that people are providing us just to give them, you know, a simple PT plan. And if anything, there are like way more pressing needs in the country and in the military community um, that require, you know, those funds than us. Uh, I always look at this too, as like a side hustle and it's not mm-hmm. even like a hustle. My primary job is going to be, you know, whatever I end up doing in law, yours is going to be, you know, uh, a doctor, a surgeon. Um, and this is like a nice little like charity that, you know, we can help manage and try to bring some people on and educate a community. I think someone that sells out potentially would be like someone who has a very individualized look at something um so like you can look at like black rifle coffee as an example of i think not selling out you Mm -hmm. know matt besh gets out makes some like hilarious youtube videos the first couple years uh he gets out and uh looking at like how their business grew i think like another vet contacted him and they start making you know coffee and so they're not even taking like any of their things that they learned in the military and were told to be quiet about professional about they're just taking like common things that all I think all veterans and all service members can you know join in laughing at and then it was like mm-hmm. okay well these are good dudes like you know this idea of just be a good dude and you see that in their company you're like okay and now they have a 
you know, a really thriving coffee company and they still make videos and they still put out, you know, a lot of vet friendly content. And so like, that's an example of, I think like not selling out, I think selling out would be, and like, I, I don't, I don't want to like name drop, but like, if you're going to be seals, get it all the time. And we'll just talk in general about seals. You get out and you think that your seal experience was so unique that you have to write a book about it. Like you have to write a book killing about bin killing bin Laden. Like, come on, dude. There were a lot of people on that mission that were probably more important than you. There's probably someone right behind you that would have done it. it. It wasn't like you found this on your own. You got dropped into, you know, the middle of the mountains in Pakistan. We're like, you know, I got a hunch it's over here and you did this on your own. Like there was a huge team. I didn't read your book. I'm not going to read your book. Like there's enough shit out on there to know that he's dead. That's all I care about. And you are a part of SEAL Team 6. Like phenomenal. I'm sh- I know that this dude is like an incredible operator and has done some great things for the country, but to get out and then like sell that story, sell that story and go on all these talk shows. Like, okay, that is selling out. That is taking something that was incredibly classified. Like only a select few individuals were even thought of when planning this mission. And then to come out, you know, and, whatever, in the months or years afterwards, be like, I'm going to write a book about it. Get the fuck out of here. That's that's selling out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... Because I find with Black Rifle, not to, like, start shit with Black Rifle, because I, you know, respect them as a company, but, like, you know, all those guys are sitting pretty well financially from that company, too. So, like, where do you draw the line of, you know, utilizing... Because, I mean, Black Rifle, I think was kind of founded on the idea like you know these were we are a veteran owned company of special operators you know i think that's how they started too right so it's like they kind of used their something along those lines but you know what i would say is from the outside it it looks like they have like a nice headquarters um Mm -hmm. and wherever they you know shoot some of their videos and i'm sure a lot of that is is not um inexpensive but at the same time it's like i'm not gonna I'm not going to criticize someone's, you know, success that they've generated because, you know, like how many other veteran companies tried to start and then, you know, were unsuccessful. Black Rifle just fit like a niche at the very unique time that Mm -hmm. they came into the market and they've exploded. The other thing I would say is it appears that a lot of the guys that work for that company are veterans. So like they are giving back to the community by Mm -hmm. employing nothing but dudes from, you know, different special operations branches. And so I think when you look at it from that perspective, um, and like you playing devil's advocate there, it's like if your benefit through your business is still with that community because you're employing dudes, you're going and you're visiting, you know, soldiers all around the country. I know Matt Best was um, out in uh, like near Savannah in Fort Stewart a couple years ago oh, yeah, uh, yeah. to do like a meet and greet. And mm-hmm. um, one of the guys that I knew went and saw him and he was like the nicest dude ever. And it was like that that kind of outreach really helps. And um, they do a lot of stuff with just, you know, how to start a business and they've had some podcasts that are really interesting to listen to. I think because of that kind of thing, I, yeah, I, I still wouldn't consider that to be, to be sell it. Now, if like the Black Rifle, for instance, were to have only one or two veterans working for them and then were to like, I don't know, do something, I can't even imagine like something egregious, like I, I'm sure they give back to charities. It's like, it's stuff that we don't know, like, you know. Mm-hmm. What charities yeah. do they, you know, they support? But it's it's that kind of um, 
giving like back altruism that it's it's already mm-hmm. apparent within their company because you see how many individuals work for them that have you know different uh disabilities from service and it's like hey like these people are still thriving and either they're working for us or we're telling their story like that's the kind of thing that with your platform that you have black rifle has been able to do and it's like mm-hmm. something that i hope like we continue to do with cronus like trying to help out different organizations and different drives and giving back to the community. So I, I think Black Rifle from like the very get-go has always had that idea of like a very veteran-friendly focus. So I guess that's where I guess you would draw the line is um, as terms of selling out as if you give back to the community or not, right? Yeah, like what I, I know like for if you're, if you're not a nonprofit, you know, you want to maximize – your revenue stream and then your profit margin like that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's business 101. Um, It's not one of the 10 things that, you know, Michael, uh, you know, brought up in, you know, season two of the office, but you know, it's definitely the foundations of running a successful business. But outside of that, if, if you do find that you have the funds and the means, well then making sure that you're doing something for the veteran community. I mean, it's like, it's one of the reasons why hire our heroes, I think has been pretty successful in the last couple of years at placing senior NCOs and junior officers and, you know, businesses because a lot of employers consider the veteran status to be a form, not disability, but it's like a protected class. Mm-hmm. So it's another way to ensure that you have engagement with a community that is served. And so I think it's paramount on like when you're getting out of the military, if you're going to start a program like that, that is geared so much towards your service that you have something like built as like a foundational pillar of we help out, we support our own. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think I, writing a book about bin Laden is doing it. Yeah. I, like I, there's like so many corollaries or like what if scenarios, like I guess. Yeah. I don't, I think that that's where we kind of drew the line too is like giving back or not benefiting personally benefiting from, from doing so. But at the same time it's like, I mean, there's nothing wrong with providing for your family too, you know. Yeah. Based no. using, utilizing your service to provide for your family, so it's just like, you know, I don't, I, I, I find it's like a gray area for me. Like the guys that take their service and make money off using some, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's one so of the, you know, and just bringing it back to when we started, when we drew up our like our charter document, um, like one of the clauses that there were two clauses in there that we specifically had was like. Neither one of us will take a salary from this in any event that one of us walks away or the company is disbanded, like any funds that are available uh, still will automatically, you know, be dispersed to like whatever charity the last remaining owner um, is interested in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the, that's where I wanted to ensure that Cronus Fit would not end up being just like another fitness company. It's like, there's a, there's a larger issue that we can tackle. That's why the programs are affordable. I feel like I'm giving like a sales pitch to like, you know, I Shark know, Tank. But I know. like I I just take it very seriously that there are more deserving communities out there. And if the whole purpose is just making a more fit military, which was like one of the reasons why we started writing programs, like to diverge from that would run counter to the the like foundations that, that Cronusit was based on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely really like how we have evolved over the couple last couple of years because we're it's been three years now, right? 
I, Se- May either, 17, yeah. Either three today years. or t- I think today or tomorrow is yeah, our three today. anniversary. Yeah, yeah. It's five two. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. Three Happy anniversary, anniversary Bobby. Shit. Happy <laughs> anniversary. Three years of business. But yeah, like I've really enjoyed the process, and then you know sometimes I wish that I could get some money from it because like if we sat down and like calculated how much how many hours we put into this a week, it's like, man, I can't. I just. It's just like it'd be it would be nice to get something out of it, but like, you know, I just think about all the good we're putting it out, like the good that we're getting, the benefit that we're giving out, and I love hearing guys like hit us up and saying like, hey, you know, thank you for your your podcast, thank you for everything that you've done for giving back to the community because you know you inspired me to go to selection or inspired me to go become a ranger, you know, and that's like, and that's like the hard part to measure too, because that's there's so much more like extrinsic like so much more benefit that we don't can't can't, like measure that we that from running the business it's like uh it's so cool like the the influence that we're able to have on on guys in the military and guys even joining the military and then somehow creating this community of nothing i feel like and i think it's just the the idea of educating um people and again it's not like bobby and i are coming from a background where we were some nfl strength trainers um, you know, we have 25 certs each. We've competed in all of these fitness events, and like we are the guys. Like, there's no way the CRTF would ever run up to us and say, "Hey, run the CRTF." Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have those credentials. And what I like to is, I feel like Cronus Fit uh, has probably, I would say at this point, like three types of uh, followers or like athletes. Like the ones that come that are just training up specifically for a ranger school Mm -hmm. um, or like a selection. And then once they have that program, they're out. Um, Another crew that follows it because like they like the functional fitness side of the house. They like like the kind of traditional CrossFit-y stuff, but it's themed towards the military. And then I think the third crew is um, a group of individuals that aren't necessarily in the military, but they want to get a flavor of like potentially joining. And so it's like a Mm -hmm. younger population, like 18 to 21. So between those three groups, it's like really easy to ensure that, Hey, like as soon as you leave Cronus fit, so long as what you got out of it was either like some good workouts, an idea of how to program, which is like one of the reasons that we, you know, are looking to do, um, like a community outreach program and have ambassadors. It's like, let's, get over about how we generally program uh, military prep and functional fitness. Uh, Let's get your feedback on if you think the programs are effective or ineffective. And then if you leave better than, you know, in better shape than you came in, then Cronus Fit's done its job. And thanks to you, if you uh, purchased a a program, that money went back to, um, you know, providing meals for a hospital, providing meals for a food bank. you know, going towards like, you know, last year when we ran uh, the Ranger Road promotion, it's just there are good people out there that are much more uh, in need of it than, than we are. And again, we're going to be employed here uh, with our job. So, you know, the, the couple hours that we get to dedicate, you know, essentially to a nonprofit or in my mind, completely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I just worry sometimes about how like growing the business, if we're going to be able to grow or how we can you know expand because at, like it or not both you and i are going to be really busy uh pretty shortly like you started this year the first year of law school and then i'm about to start residency too so like my fear is that we lose some of the momentum that we've gained over the last couple of years and that 
yeah. you know, we kind of die down or guys stop following us. We're not bringing much to the table, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the, you know, the, the programming, we've both followed different programs uh, in the past. And, you know, it's like, how, how long did you stay with that program before you went on? I mean, we, we were, I think last year, you and I were pretty big into traditional weightlifting. The year before that, we were big into CrossFit. Now you and I are both during... Uh, endurance, endurance events just to grow our our repertoire. Um, so I think it's the same in general with almost every single fitness community. I think it's one of the reasons why you look at like boxes with CrossFit. You know, I don't think most members stay longer than a year to a year and a half because they end up investing in their own personal gym. And that's again, I think at the end of the day, with fitness, if you get into the arena, you can you can grow, and we we have grown significantly from three mm-hmm. years ago, but. So long as people are more fit, living longer, not, you know, looking towards, you know, these wonder drugs, I think at the end of the day, that's just like, like I can go to bed if Cronus Fit ended today, other than like being able to invest in some great nonprofits uh, before we close the door permanently. It's like, I want to be completely happy because there's been so many cool success stories of mm-hmm. individuals passing courses, um, you know, awesome service members from the UK, Australia, Sweden, uh, Germany reaching Canada. out to us, Canada. I mean, it's like that, that kind of global network is really cool to see that, you know, somebody finds the really basic from, for me, at least for military prep fitness, uh, programming, like worthwhile. And it's like, yeah, let's engage and let, let's try to get better. And, you know, what are your goals? Um, it's one of the reasons our mountain program, uh, was do- designed after a, a dude who was training up, uh, for SAS, over in the UK was like, Hey, this is kind of like what I'm looking for. This is what I need. We are like, dude, don't worry about it. Like, Oh, we'll jam you up a program. Um, and then that turned into, okay. A lot of this seems to be like focused on hills, mountains, climbing, the same kind of stuff that, you know, we experienced deployed is like, all right, let's make a mountain program out of this. And that's how that evolved. Mm -hmm. So you get so many cool opportunities. I think growth though, I'm being like long winded now. Um, I think growth would be, you know, just bringing on more like-minded people. And I think the ambassador program growing and seeing guys that are, or gals now that are in regiment and, you know, um, for instance, that's a big, I think, population that we generally miss. We kind of looked at ranger school as Mm -hmm. a one size fits all training program. I don't think it's like that for females that are training. Mm -hmm. I think there's some specific things they need more focus on for, uh, muscular endurance than say like cardio, um, so it's like if we were to bring a female ranger qualified individual on that can help out and reach out to the females. If you're out there listening and you want to get in touch with us, like that'd be another way to grow, um, you know, and just count it towards like, you know, community service kind of thing and giving back and what your favorite charity is. And that's how we, you know, get into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that I wish that we had more, um, uh, I guess, ability to help as the females because I think – you know, it's pretty straightforward for guys. Like, we know how to program for guys. It's straightforward for us because we know how to program for ourselves. But, yeah, for the female aspects, I know, like, the vast majority of our followers are males. So I would, I wish that we were able to get more females into and empower more females to, to go to these things and go to these special to special operations. Because I think females are a great asset to the team, depending on how, like, you want to, you know, argue, which side you want to argue. But I think females do offer a very um, – more capabilities to the team and then we should help those that you know that are that aspire to do that yeah not gonna be like uh who's the dude that they're ripping on 
online like every single one of the military memes is ripping on some admin dude from the marines and just destroying him never deployed not a rifleman or every marine's a rifleman but like not a what is it 0311 whatever their their infantry mos is but he's charging six hundred dollars uh you know a month or a program to you know these kids out of high school to train up to go to the marine basic course like you know, like, uh, I think you're talking about like the P- there's like a PJ thing that um, people trash. I think 18, 18 Disaster is trashing this like PJ mentorship thing that they charge like kids like $100 a month or some shit like that. Yeah, for, like, something. Mentorship. That's that's the other thing too. Like we talk about selling that's out. Sell, that's selling out. <laughs> Especially like if you think what, and again, there, there are a lot of fitness companies out there that charge a shit ton of money for basic fitness. And then some that have a pretty affordable subscription plan. But if you're charging a couple hundred dollars for like anywhere from two to four months worth of programming, like it is not worth it. Like you for a couple hundred dollars, I look at it as the program should be significantly less than the price of a gym membership. If mm-hmm. the program costs more than a gym membership where you can like, even utilize any of the equipment necessary for those things, then like you're just wasting your money. Cause at the end of the day, I look at gym memberships too. Like, okay, if I had a 12 month membership here, what could I get in my garage instead? Would I be able to do 90% of that? And if the answer is like, yes, I'm not going to go to that gym. Like that's why I will never join like a CrossFit box in New York city. Like I think CrossFit union square is like $250 a month. You can only go, and do like the prescribed classes like no open gym stuff and and that's probably a product of the size and the uh rent cost but at the same time fuck that like i'd rather go get a storage unit for 130 dollars a month uptown fill it out with uh gym equipment and just go there every day Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah for sure and then i yeah i really uh am pleased with how we have progressed over the years i'm glad to see that know people resonate with our mission because i think that's another thing that people like us because we have this mission of giving back to the community and i I just i'm glad that it um that people are able to see that that we are all about giving back we're not really about personally benefiting from the situation from our backgrounds too yeah and speaking of giving back uh last month's charity we had a really great turnout uh this month's charity we're gonna do um a drive for uh, homeless kids uh, during this time. Um, both, you know, it's been really hard on them getting to school, getting meals again. So this month we're going to focus on like the homeless youth population uh, and try to, you know, generate funds for for that through the sales and then through, you know, the, the great donations of, you know, individuals out there that follow and listen. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. I really like how we're um, – kind of expanding our scope to the kind of the social side of things too. Like I kind of like, I actually really like our discussions on the kind of the social commentary and politics here. Cause I think it's a, um, we might like ruffle some feathers or like lose some followers based on politics. But I think if you're a three percenter, I doubt you're still listening to this. Yeah. But if you're also a three percenter, like I don't know why you'd you'd be listening to us either too. We're not exactly the, uh, the type of people or a type of uh, content that three percenters are probably listening to either. Yeah. I'm sure there's some like, mountain dew expo that you're gearing up to attend or some other like protest you're gonna go to and like 
show off your excellent kit, you fucking clowns. Yeah. There's that. Should we pivot into uh, Bullock? Or do you no. want to like table that for us? Let's table time? that for next week. Uh, if you were yeah. tuning in to listen to it, I uh, apologize. FM 390 is one of the ones uh, someone asked us about, like general definitions and just key terms that you could look up instead of trying to peruse through 218 and 78 for the general ideas of you know, what each one of the offensive uh, terms is that, you know, you want to give as a task and then subsequent purposes. Uh, so we'll talk about that in detail next week. So we'll talk, you know, for eyeball guys, McKenna Mount, what I went through in eyeball when it was 16 weeks in the general ruck progression, the PT expectations gearing up to PCS from Benning, schools that you can get while you're there for follow-on. Does getting commandants list really matter? especially for going to a mech unit where your battalion commander's untabbed and an armor <laughs> officer and loves his Stetson and wears it everywhere, including to JRTC and smokes cigars like he was General fucking Patton. These are all questions that I will answer uh, for you. Uh, and then Bobby can talk about Oklahoma. Yeah, I'll talk about F.A. Bullock, but I don't expect me to like cite off the uh, FMs because I am like the last person to talk about Doctrine. Um, I know we talked about with like Brian and Pete talking about like doctrine and like as a lieutenant knowing doctrine and I'll be honest I don't know shit about doctrine that was definitely like my uh, my weakness in the military oh dude speaking of doctrine uh, I remember at the board at RASP I got asked a question like what are the eight steps of MDMP uh, the military decision making process I gave him the TLPs <laughs> uh, and the sergeant major goes um, I'm glad you know the TLPs. I wanted to know MDMP, and I said, Sergeant Major, I've never been on staff. I don't even know what MDMP stands for. And I just wanted to show you that I knew another eight-step uh, model. <laughs> 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 so there's, a, you know, that was my doctrinal uh, background prior to getting a regiment. It wasn't until my company commander was like, you don't want to look like an idiot, and if you leave Ranger Regiment and go to MCCC, like, your experiences here are going to be very obvious when it comes to, like, general briefing skills or mm -hmm. fitness or just, you know, tactical experience. But if you can't back that up with doctrine, uh, you're just going to be, you know, uh, a shell of, you know, a, a Ranger Regiment, um, Abrams Charter carrying uh, Maldoon. So, like engage the text and don't be don't be lazy and i was like all right that's that's a that's a really good point and i wanted a good rating at the time and then i just didn't care yeah so like i definitely didn't read doctrine not the i was not the best lieutenant i'll put that way either I was not the best lieutenant i was an even worse captain like <laughs> again captains that rank were i think it was somebody was uh talking about like congratulations to all the new o3s yesterday Oh, that guy in your seminar. Love yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Fun, funny dude. It was like, I remember getting captain. Captain was just a rank that, like, you really could give no fucks. Because it was like you were, in yeah. long, you were in long enough where you had some experiences, but mm -hmm. not in long enough where you were completely sold to the military. Like, you could get out within a year or two. You could just do your time. And so, like, again, not talking about rocking the boat, but you could really, you know, if some major was being dumb, no problem just being like even more uh what's the word not cocky not arrogant but confident more confident mm -hmm. that this dude is an idiot and you can just tell them sir 
that's wrong. Or yeah. I wouldn't put my support by fire there, brigade commander. Uh, you'd have to be an idiot to do that. Um, that's not how you get company command either. So, you know, just there's there's a scale there with your captaincy and don't don't put too much sand in the uh, side of go fuck yourself. Yeah, I, I'll be honest, second lieutenant is probably my favorite rank. Oh, no, I felt like trash. Um, oh, I love being a second lieutenant. As soon as I pinned, I was like, all right, I'm, again, this is going to be stereotypical here, so I don't want to offend, like, any uh, non-gender individuals living out there, but I, I'm not a man because I don't have a blue cord. I'm even less of a man oh. or a human because I don't have my tab. Like, I was, until I got my tab, I remember my mom um, was talking to somebody because they said I had asthma and I couldn't go to ranger school. And I was like, no, fuck that. Like, I'm going to ranger school. I went mm-hmm. to every pulmonologist from Atlanta to the Alabama side before someone just checked me off with saying, no, you don't have it. But my mom was telling, like, a family friend who was like, why is it such a big deal to go? And my mom was a Blackhawk pilot and my dad was ranger qualified. And she goes, because it would be like he didn't have a dick if he was in the infantry <laughs> without a tab. And I was like... My mom said it best. Like that's how I felt. That's what I hated second Brutal. lieutenant time. I absolutely hated second lieutenant time. Really? Yeah. I love second lieutenant. It was just like a great because it's just like, it. I feel like second lieutenant time was like the sham E four time where you could be like, I don't know any better. I'm a second lieutenant. I don't oh. know. I didn't know that. See, I wasn't. I didn't like that. I wanted to be the dude that if I said something, it was because I had experience. It's, I think for me, it was less about rank and more about experiences. So, mm-hmm. okay, I've got my blue cord. I've got my ranger tab. I meet the basic bare minimum checklist for an infantry officer. And then it was, okay, I've got to my unit. We've got deployment. All right, I've got a deployment patch, but am I leaving with a CIB? Okay, yeah, we've seen combat, got a CIB. And then it was, okay what other like things can I do to separate myself? And then finally it was like at captain, I could take a step back and just kind of breathe and go, okay, I have mm-hmm. tried to do everything I can like rank aside what I've been able to achieve in the military. Like that's what I wanted out at the army. And now from here out, it's like captain was the point where I could finally breathe a sigh of relief and then focus on, you know, being a good officer. I don't know. That's true. Yeah, that's definitely very true about being captain. Because I remember, like, especially in the big army, like all captains are captains. Like they don't differentiate between post command captains and pre command captains right. too. So like in the big army, it's just like you're an O four, you fresh pin or fresh pin O three is the same as your senior O three second command captain. You can call him whatever you want to call him. Not the same in regiment, however. But yeah, you, you have know, to salute that was, uh, branch qualified captains in regiment if you are not branch qualified. Yeah, that was weird. That was a. So I was like, "Why are you saluting a captain? You're a captain. You don't understand. Don't, don't not do it. You will, you will get skull dragged across this parking lot." Uh, Dude, I was like my first. I remember my first day in battalion, and I saw a captain, like a pre-command area, not branch file, a captain. I saluted him, and they're like, "We don't do that here." (laughs) What are you (laughs) doing? We don't do that here. (laughs) But yeah, I just remember. Cause I, I pinned O three on deployment at Jock, same. And it was like once I got promoted captain, I was like, "What up, bud? What up, bro?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no longer Lieutenant Zang, it's Captain Zang. So I was like, when I was calling the like calling around on, you know, all the other battle captains, they're all like captains. So I was just like, I had to call him sir. And then now, once I pinned captain, I was like, "What up, bro?" Yeah, I uh, same rank now. I liked I liked that that promotion. I though was not allowed to have my platoon sergeant. Uh, pin me which is my only request because um, mm. I was like this dude is my he's my ride or die you know 
that's the dude I want to pin me because that means the most to me. And then my company commander was like, it's not how it works. And I was oh, like, God. that sucks. Yeah, I think I think the BC pinned us because we were was overseas. I think the BC pinned us. Same. Yeah. Same, and had to interrupt everybody's uh, going on in the, the jock to see me and uh, my buddy pin. And it was like, sorry, we're interrupting your work. I know yeah. it's just not that big of a deal because I've been able to stay in the military and not get a DUI. Uh, mm-hmm. I've done a lot to get to this point. Uh, now let me get the fuck out of here and go back to hanging out with my rangers. Yeah, that's how that's how I was. I was like a pin captain. Two months later, I was out of the army. It's good. Uh, but now it'll be. But then being during med school, because I'm back at second lieutenant, I was Punk like, bitch. this is great. <laughs> I'm gonna go join the National Guard just to make you salute me. Too late now. I would never well, do that. Actually, right now I'm still a second lieutenant. I don't pin pin O three until I show up uh, and sign in at Fort Lewis. Well, good, good. Until then, you're trash. Still, I'm trash. Gold bar punk bitch. I know it's great. I have to I actually have to go my, get in my uniforms like sewn back on captain, sewn back on my uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> I also have to go buy the fucking new uniforms too. It's a pain in my ass. You're gonna scare some like dependa who sees like you know her husband's like a major and she has like 14 kids and she's gonna come in there and you're gonna be wearing like your scrubs with all these tattoos and she's gonna be like, um, my husband is the S3 for two four eight Cav. Uh, can we see a doctor? And you're gonna be like, bitch. I am your doctor. Your kid's fine. It's a, it's a scab. The kid fell down. You didn't break anything. Stop wasting my time. Um, my husband's a major. I don't know if I said that. You should call me ma'am. Get out of my office. Like, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I don't care. It's, it's funny. Like, as a doctor in the military, you're kind of, like, in the military, but you're not really in the military. Yeah. So it's like, you're just, like, this separate entity. It's kind of funny. But I'm looking forward to the day... I get back to doing operational stuff. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be cool. And moving out yeah, there, like, and getting your orders. Yeah, six to eight years of training left before I can do anything operational. Sucks. I know it's me a long. It's a long road, but I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to get back in the operating room again. I've been watching like surgery videos in my spare time. I, I love it. The nope. itch. I got the itch. Well, speaking of the itch that I have to. Go powder. Uh, I've got to get back to studying for my final tomorrow. Yes, so sir. good luck. Hit us up with questions for I Bullock, FA Bullock uh, for next weekend. Sorry we didn't get to it today, but again, uh, we really wanted to talk three percenters out there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and all the other uh, heroes uh, that are just doing great things for you know our country. Our country wearing just phenomenal kit and helping the military. Uh, defense agencies all around the world with their heroism. So, thank you for your service. That's all. Tyfs. Tyfys. Sir. T. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Go back. Go back to watching your doctor videos. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to watching and doing surgery. I gotta. I gotta start brushing up on all that stuff again. Kind of rusty right now. Do you want to clap on the backside of this so that you know where my recording stops? I'm going to clap right. for you. All right. With that, we'll, we'll end with that because I think we're just fucking around at this point. <laughs> Bye, guys. Until next time. We'll see you guys next week. Later.